Oh yeah, it's another Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth. We had to call an audible. We're in the studio for those of you watching. And uh, we have the Sports Extra logo behind us, which is the show we do on Sunday nights. Uh, our normal room, I couldn't get it to work properly, so. I'm pretty comfortable down here. Yeah, we, this is this is actually the original, no, it's not the original home of the Extra Basis podcast. It is uh, version 2.4? Yeah, whatever. Four? Yeah, whatever it was. This, this was. this was like, this is where the Jordan Alvarez clip was made. That's right. Right here. Jordan Alvarez. There's that's a right. lot of magic that's happened in this area here. Yeah. So I, I, I'm actually, um, I'm pretty pumped. I can do a costume change. I did that. Mm-hmm. You know, we can get, get, this is podcast gear for me. You yep. know, I'm, yep. I'm very yep. comfortable when we do this. You know why? Because like we're direct and honest and um, not that we're not on Sports Extra, but I got to suit up for that. I got to match my guy. So, you know, um, no, this is, this is the, uh, this is like home. I'm good to be back home. As promised, uh, 2023 draft class, Houston Astros, led off by Bryce Matthews, the shortstop from Nebraska, also a local player. You told me you liked the pick. You gave me a long thing that I posted on Twitter about upside and athleticism. Yeah. Overall, did we see a difference from a Dana Brown Influence draft compared to, uh, I guess it'd be a James Click draft. I, I'm not going to count Click in that because I think I think James, um, coming from Tampa Bay, you know, even the the acquisitions he made at the big league level weren't all numbers based. I don't, I don't I'm not going to buy that when it comes to James Click. I actually thought, and and I'll say this again, I actually thought James Click did a pretty good job while mm-hmm. he was here. I mean, the guy won a World Series. It, it, you know, it's not it's really hard to take away from a GM that wins a World Series. And if you look at some of the – he only had one draft pick. I mean, 20 was gone as far as first round. 20 didn't get anything because of the penalty, right? 21 didn't get anything because of the penalty. 22, they take my guy Drew Gilbert, right? Which is ironic for some of the stuff I've heard their scouting director say that they've now drafted future Star Series players in back-to-back drafts, okay? But be that as it may, what I will tell you is um, I think James Cook did a good job as an executive. And I know the roots in Tampa with Bobby Heck and those guys over there. Um, who obviously Bobby was big in building this over, this dynasty over here too, right? So um, I just think Dana has his own brand. I, I'll give it that. And I think that, um, you know, Dana went in and his approach was, I'm going to find a carrying tool in every round. It's not so much about floor, which is what, if you look at last year, what I will say at 2022, it's a, it's a floor. Drew Gilbert could be an all-star, but if he's not, he's an extra guy. That's He's going to play in the big leagues, right? When it comes to... Um, to Bryce Matthews, he could be all or nothing. You know, people say it's an analytics. No, people said before, I, I saw uh, one writer said it was an analytics darling. Well, that may have been because of power and speed, but the reality is it's an upside play. He's a college bat with production, had one good year of production. Reminds me of a little bit of Tim Anderson because that's what Tim did. He had a good summer and then a good production. It's very similar to Bryce Matthews. But overall, if you go look at the 6'8 right-hander in the second round and the, the kid that hit 25 home runs in the fourth, fifth round, whatever it was, and the extra high school players they took. 30-something home runs. I thought it was 25. I thought it was 30. Yeah, it, 25, 30, tomato, I mean, tomato, tomato, a lot of bombs is the bottom line. You got power. You're finding a carrying tool somewhere, and I think that's, that's the marked difference, you know? That's just for me. Do you believe that Bryce Matthews has a higher ceiling then than Drew Gilbert? I don't because I think Drew's a higher – well, athletic ceiling, I think they're probably on par. I think Drew is a better performer. Drew Gilbert has no business sitting at that point in the draft where he was there. Should have been gone 10 to 15 picks higher. 
right? And we saw that, just so you know, with the Astros go the other way, when a kid fell into their lap in 2018 by the name of Noah Bo, I can catch every day, hit, swing the bat, nailer, okay? And he was sitting there, 28, maybe 27, where they picked, and they took Seth. Well, you know, and you know the rest. So, you know, when you have that type of player, Drew Gilbert never should have been there. Um, Matthews is somebody who, you know, there's been some heat about, um, uh, you know, second rounder taking in the first round. I don't understand that because, well, let me rephrase it. I do understand it a little bit. But it's not like you took him 16th in the draft. He was yeah. the final pick of the first round. So if he is a second rounder and you really believe in the tools, then – why wouldn't you go for him at the at the very last pick of the first round? Well, in that again, in that in that range, with what we've talked about, you're looking for to get both, coupled with the fact that he doesn't come around to you a second time, right? That's he what you're really worried yeah, about. Yeah, he doesn't come around a second time. So even if there's a player you like, you may like better, which isn't the case. The way the draft works is, everybody's got a different board. Everybody, not everybody has the same opinion. So if, if uh, I don't know, the Marlins like, like this kid, right, and they think he's a, a, second, a second rounder and you're picking 29, 30, wherever they were, and the Marlins are picking four, you can see him again. You see what I'm saying? So you, you got to take him where you want to take. You got to take the guy you like, even though they may be a guy you think's better after that. And I'm not saying that's what they did. I'm just saying there's strategy in this as well. I have no issue whatsoever with these guys taking a kid that they may have thought was a comp pick, second rounder, upside play college bat in the first round. If you look at the rest of the draft, either guys wanted a lot of money and a lot of high school kids, including guys we had, decided they wanted to go to school or have some money, right? They want a lot of money or a kid that just wants to go play who's an athlete, who's an 80 makeup, who's a grinder, who's a Houston local, by the way, who's going to live and die with this team because that's what these pe the people do in the city. And um, a 2020 guy. Yeah, where, where's, the, where's the problem? I don't understand. It's a good pick. I noticed that Colin Houck was still on the board. Yep, we know Short Colin. Shortstop, Georgia, no high Colin school ranks. Well. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, I mean, we've got a new guy running things who likes upside, athleticism, and tools. Didn't happen. Will the... Will, Will the Astros come back to regret not taking Colin Houck, who ended up with the Mets? Or is it simply an apples and oranges play because Houck's a high schooler, he's got more leverage, and the Astros want to be, um, I hate to say efficient, but they want a under-slot under guy, a guy that they can sign for under-slot, leaving it for uh, a high school player later in those first five rounds? I think those are all very valid questions. I will tell you that Colin Hook, I believe is how you pronounce oh, it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was Hauk. No, is a guy that we know really well with the Future Star Series. Okay? Oops. It's all right. I are think you sure? I, That's what they said on the draft. I don't know. I, I always said Hauk, and somebody told me Hook. So, bottom line, Colin H. out of Georgia, the shortstop, I think is a football quarterback with a bunch of upsides. So, let's see a football background. Um, you know, Colin's a great kid. I will give you this. He's a great kid. He is somebody that we, again, had a lot of familiarity with. There's Future Stars. There's video on him um, from when he was at one of our, our, our stuff. We knew, we've known him for a couple of years. Didn't get to the main event um, largely because of uh, – I'm just going to stop. Wasn't his decision. Wasn't ours. He just okay. didn't go. It happens. What I will tell you is, you know, Colin wanted, wanted twice, I think, what Matthews ended up signing for, just about. 2.75 is what he got, something like that. 
Is that what, who, what Colin got? Yeah, Colin yeah. got two. And, and Bryce Matthews got one six? One four? Bryce Matthews? Yeah, what do you got? Signed for two four. Two oh, four okay. seven eight. My, my mistake. Two right. four seven eight. I thought eight. it was a one four. That mm -hmm. changes things. Two four. I think I think that at that particular uh, that particular point, if that's what they did, and they went with the safety and, and the uh, chance to fill the, uh, fill the system a little bit different with the Matthews. I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I assume I thought it was one four. No, two point four. Okay, yeah, that's 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 tomato tomato. Which was about four hundred thousand less than slot. Yeah, and how quint thirty two something like yeah, that. Yeah, thirty two to the Mets. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that. Dana saw a player, and, and obviously the rest of the scouting department saw a player that had a track record of performance and was on the way up, as opposed to a high school kid they weren't real sure about. That's the only way you make that pick. But certainly some of the early reviews are not that glowing, at least I can say from Keith Law's perspective. He thought that this was a little bit of, and I forget the exact terminology or word he used, that it was um, a little less than... Um, he thought that they would go out on a limb a little bit more, I think. And because Dana was, <coughs> is here and, and Dana has that, uh, that scouting background, um, certainly it's too early to, to, to tell. But uh, I don't see you banging on a table like you did in years past. You've actually been relatively calm these past couple of drafts when it comes to the Astros selection. Hang on, let me answer that. All right, I'll just answer it. Um, if I got a 2020 college player and I'm in that part of the draft and I got a chance to take an upside player or I got a chance to take a college bat, I want a performer. All the good pitching that you're, uh, the, not the good pitching, all the pitching that's going to go earlier in the round is gone. It's just not going to be there. It's gone. You're not going to have an arm falling into your lap there that you're going to take in the first round anyway. And then pitching comes from all over the draft and even after the draft now because only 20 rounds, right? Bats do not. So if you have something that has a chance to help a club a little bit quicker, has an upside to it, and is a college performer who happens to be a Houston native, not that that factors in, but it sure doesn't hurt, okay? That's, I don't have any issue with the pick. And I love Keith. He's advisory board. Keith's a great dude. He's a friend. Um, but I don't have any issue with the Bryce Matthews pick. And, and, and the funny thing is I'm now talking about another one of the guys I consider to be ours, a kid, a kid I've been around for a couple of years who's, a, who's an excellent and I mean an excellent prospect, but it was rumored at one point going as high in the draft as 10 or 11. He slipped down to 32. So something was up there, and they took Matthews, and, and I, I think they're sleeping well. I would be. This is what Keith Law wrote on The Athletic. This was an uninspiring draft for a team that just hired a highly respected evaluator, Dana Brown, as its GM, landing just one player from my top 100 and overdrafted him by a round. Um, I'll answer that this way. It's not about Keith. This is just a general rule because, you know, obviously we have the digital group on our side, right, that does some, some draft um, or quite a bit of draft um, rankings, rankings and, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I stay out of that, by the way, with my opinion. I, these guys write what they got to write, and that's, that's the agreement, and I don't, we're not going to influence it even with our players that go through it. If you want my opinion, I'll give it to you, but it's not going to be done with their, with their writing. Um, there were a lot of players selected across the draft everywhere that no one had in their top 100. There was just a ton. And it tells you um, that they're starting to fish a little bit different, them being the scouting community. They're starting to fish a little different. They're looking for players that I would say that us and, and other people like maybe even the youth academies have put on, uh, you know, put on different 
you know, pedestals and different areas and platforms to go see play. You're not always taking, there's guys like the Braden Holcomb kid out of Florida, the Vandy. There's guys like the Roch Chalowski, Roch Chalowski kid out of Arizona. I never, dad's a scout with the Reds. I've never quite understood how to pronounce the name. Uh, there's a kid named Gavin Grohovac. All these kids were perfect game All-Americans, which from a long time was like, these are the guys. And those guys are going to college, right? And you got a kid from Galena Park that went where? 11th round. So, and, and he, so these guys, you know, there's a kid last year when went, um, the Astros paid in the 11th round. Wasn't it 1.2? One, 1. Ryan like Clifford. That? Yeah, so you're not finding all of these overly famous guys anymore. They're fishing for prospects and players. And I think that it's, a bro- it's just a broader pool now. And i got to give credit to teams that are trying to get outside the box instead of just writing checks for kids that are already mature and, 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 and done growing. You see in the scouting community, if a kid's throwing 97 miles per hour right now, she's as a number because everybody's throwing hard, right? So if it's 95, 97 right now, how much harder is he going to throw? 171? Like, it's, it's, <laughs> that's it. It's going to go a couple more miles per hour. So if you're looking at upside development, growth within your system and ceiling, lots of times some of the th- guys that are the most famous aren't the ones that are going to get it. There's a, there's a kid right now in Mississippi. You'll leave his name out because it's irrelevant. He's a 24 kid. There's a kid right now in Mississippi who is physically, for me, where he's going to be. He was that way at 14 years old. All he's done is grow, but it's still the same player. There's another kid in the same state who isn't. And that kid's the better prospect, but he doesn't get as much love yet, right? And so when you see these things come together, you're looking for upside and impact, which is something we have talked about as long as we've known each other, is upside and impact. And um, I don't have any issue with teams shooting for that if just because they're not on somebody's top 100. I do understand what Keith is saying because of the players he went and, were, and, and who he saw. He has an industry pulse. He's obviously been an evaluator. I think he's excellent at what he does. Mm-hmm. In this particular situation, though, um, you have teams fishing outside of what's on that list, and it's almost a throwback to old scouting when nobody told you who they were going to take and what they were going to do, right? So, I, again, I have no issue with it. We'll see how it works out. Certainly familiarity was uh, a, a, big, a big thing. Uh, the Astros had brought in Bryce Williams. He was part of the academy, Ochoa, the yep. 11th round pick. I'm assuming being in the backyard, the Astros had some familiarity with him. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting you bring up uh, the outfielder Cam Fisher from the from the fourth round. He yeah. had 30 homers for UNC Charlotte, uh, struck out 63 times. Keith did the math, uh, 21% strikeout rate against middling competition, struggled against breaking stuff and better velocity. It's a carrying tool. One tool. Yeah, you know. You look and you're okay with that in the fourth round. <coughs> whereas, taken- whereas Seth Beer. Now, this is. I was on the post-draft uh, phone call with Kip Gross, the uh, Chris Gross. I was on the post-draft phone call with Chris Gross, the Astros scouting director, and he said, "We love college performers." And I was like, "Duh, you yeah, think? no kidding." Um, and and. Now the news, water is wet. Like, yeah. What are we but, doing? But the way he was talking about Cam Fisher, I almost felt like they were heaping more praise on Cam Fisher, his athleticism, his ability to outplay outfield. He's a better athlete than people might give him, cre- give him credit for. I was thinking, this is more praise than they, they heaped on Seth Beer when they took him in the first round. I don't know, man. Seth Beer was historic. That's right. It it's was historic. historic. It's historically fast back to double-A while we're at it. Anyway, that's not the point. Point is, when you're looking at a guy, I, it, I always reserve judgment if I haven't seen the player. Sure. I'm looking at 
I'm looking at And the what reason I bring up uh, Keith Law is because how high we uh, regard him yes. and his evaluations. That's why I'm bringing this, this up, by yeah, the way. Yeah, Keith Law could not be more highly regarded in the game, and there's, there's a lot more stories to that that we can share at a different time. Yeah. Um, what I could tell you is this, um, and I know that some people who watch this think there's some kind of vendetta against the Astros. There isn't. There's just honesty. And it frankly ain't my problem. If you can't handle honesty, that would be a you issue. So when it comes to what the problem is with the, with the draft, it's been the lack of impact. If these guys are going to get athleticism and upside and power, hey, Chris, man, nice job. Like, go ahead. You're doing something that can impact your organization. Um, when you looked at Jeremy Pena in the draft from the guys that saw him, I know guys that had him in the first round and showed me. Okay. Okay. What did they see there? It certainly wasn't somebody they thought were going to hit 330. Right? They saw a guy who was going to pick it up, who could run, who, could, who was going to be physically developed, who could stay in the middle of the diamond and was an athletic player. That's what they saw. Now, if he had some power and he had the ability to hit, he was underwhelming for a few years, and all of a sudden he caught fire, and now he's a regular big leaguer, which is just fine. But you get that in the third round, that's a really good draft pick. So you, you, not every pick is a bad pick just because the Astros happen to make it. And the reason why I've been quiet the last two drafts on them is because I actually liked what they did. I understood it. I like this one better than last year because I'm always an upside guy. I'm a carrying tool guy. I'm an impact guy. I'm a big power with a chance to get to it and, and tell me why. I'm a fastball command guy that's got velocity. I'd rather take 92-94 that plays with life and movement and angle than 97-98 straight because it's got a high spin. I'd much rather do those things because those things show up at the highest levels. Where we get into trouble, I think, is all this noise from people who are uneducated on the process and understand what you're looking for and think that just because a guy has stats, that's it. But again, fourth round, 30 home runs. Paul Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt, the guy that every scout is going to hold, his, hold, his, uh, hold up as his mantle of we missed, except for the Arizona Diamondbacks, was a, was a slow twitch, long swing performer at a mid-major at Texas State. And he went in the eighth round, got $95,000, and he's arguably had a better, a better crew than anybody but Trout. And if Trout doesn't get back on the field, Goldie might pass him too. Okay? So you can't sit there and walk away from that. Sometimes you got to give guys benefit of the doubt and say, hey, you know what, man? Maybe it's a little long. Maybe the pitching wasn't great. What can we do with this guy? Is he athletic? Is he going to improve? What's the makeup like? And if that's the homework they're doing, no problem with it. Plus, Gavin Dickey's in the room, and Gavin's a pretty good evaluator. I'm going to share a text. This one? Yeah. After the draft, we were talking, texting. We got it. And, um, and I heard one of the post-draft news conferences with Chris Gross, and it was college performers. We like college performers. <laughs> and they ended up drafting four high school players, yep. and they drafted two the year before. And you told me that, and this had to do a lot to do with Naomar Ochoa, the kid from the high school in Houston. And um, you said Dana doing it different. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that. Because if you look, the Astros still went under slot with a number of players. They did their normal routine, signing a guy in the first round who's under slot, saving that money to go and then use that money in, uh, for a high school kid, I assume. And then they drafted all college kids with the exception of 
two more than the year before. So how is that doing it different? Is it just simply because it's more of an upside play? It's doing it different because you're looking for carrying tools somewhere. Okay. You know, you're not, you're not, the high school is a balancing act. And in any draft, in, in a, you want to balance it the best you can. You get some safety, you get some upside. You get some safety, you get some upside. And college performers are safe. They're safe picks, especially with upside, because they're playing against a smaller pool of, of, of variants, right? If you're in high school, yeah. it's just what it is. You maybe see 78 one day, you might see 96. You don't know. But in college, you kind of have an expectation on any given night because the pyramid's gotten smaller. So drafting college players that have a chance to advance, that have proven numbers, isn't a bad idea. Where you get into issues if you performance scout and that's it. That's, that's where that's the problem. And this year, looking at their picks, it wasn't all performance scouting. It was mixing and matching. And in a high school situation where most kids are being pushed to college anyway because of the 20-round draft or because of the bonus pools, that's what's going on. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. To turn around and take four, four high school players, all of which have to have some kind of upside because none of these guys are household names yet, right? They all have to have some kind of upside. If that's what they're doing, they're, then that's a, that's a switch in strategy. We're not just talking about college floor that's got a great WOBA. We're talking about a guy that can jump through the roof from Bryce Matthews and has 80 makeup on the field, which is, by the way, similar to Drew Gilbert, just different conference, right? So if you're looking at the way they're going about it, that's what I mean by being different. They're finding different impact or ways to try to impact in a system that, as I said not too long ago um, on air, anybody who has a pulse and is being honest with it knows the Astros system is very depleted. Even Chris Gross said to me, when we were still speaking, even Chris Gross said to oh, me. Oh, come on, you're ah, still speaking. No, nah, we're not. That's a joke. That's okay. I, he knows I love him. He knows I do. Now, we were, when we, even Chris Gross said to me at one of the championship um, uh, stage things on the field, he said, it's hard, to keep the, it, it's hard to keep them in the system when they're all when winning championships and they're all on the field. Now, we can go in 19 different ways. I can do the Jeter thing. There's a lot of different ways I can go with that, but I won't. But what I can say is he's right. He is right. If the prospects graduate from the system to the big leagues, you can't refill everybody all the time. That he's right about. And so... If you're looking at this system to act like it's consistently stocked and refilled is just um, blind, frankly. It's, 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 it's ignorant. If you're looking at this system and say, hey, they're trying to address the problem and they did it last year with a couple of guys and they might get something else out of it and they're doing it now with these different impacts, there's no reason to believe that some of these good scouts who are using the best processes or better processes won't help this system get better in a hurry. There was this, uh, this, <coughs> this, this table that was posted on Twitter. Saw it. About um, draft picks, reach Major League Baseball, percentage. And um, last 10 years of drafts. The Astros. That would be 2013 forward, correct? 329 drafts, reached Major League Baseball 77. That's 23%. Mm-hmm. Next was the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Guardians, the Twins, the Pirates. Uh, that makes my point that I'm going to make to answer The that. only reason I saw this was because Gina Luno uh, uh, tweeted, quote tweeted, and said, Jeff was hired in December of 2011. I'll just leave this right here. 
I'm not going to speak ill of anybody's. Um, no, no. Yeah, no. I, I'm just. I'm going to leave that tweet alone. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm going to slide that That's over. That's the only reason I saw. Yeah, and, and say. But, I will say this. Good for you for sticking up for for Jeff. I would expect yeah. nothing different. But yeah. Listen, there's a lot of reasons guys go, guys go to the big leagues. As a matter of fact, um, in the pandemic, and I don't know the exact numbers, this is just a general statement. In the pandemic, in, the, in 2020, even in 21, even the, the roster size being expanded or um, having guys come up for a day, a day or so. I mean, the Pirates having all those guys in the big leagues and still being where they are is, an, is evidence to, not that it's not hard to be there because it is, not that it's not a, a huge honor to be there because, not that you're not doing something right, but the issue has never been the big leaguers. It's where did the impact come from, right? And so if we're talking about impact and we're talking about wins outside of Jeremy Pena, we're probably talking about 2015 prior, which would still include Bregman. Now, I'd be curious to see how much Bregman and Tucker and, 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 and even Pena or some of the other guys that have or Alvarez. I don't know if you would count in that because I don't know if it's draft only. No, it's not. It's yeah. draft. Yeah. So I, I'd like to see where some of these guys, does Valdez, is that international too? That's international. This okay. is draft picks only. Draft picks only. Draft picks right. only. So I would, I would be curious to see how much those guys made up of the actual win total, which I know is out there to find. But it doesn't mean the Astro scouting department has been bad at drafting floor guys. They've been actually pretty good. Yeah, been, I, middle of the draft, they've hit a lot of home runs. For the guys, for what you expect out of them, they have done a good job of developing pitching. They've done a good job of taking the overlooked player or the underappreciated player and helping him have some success. They've done a good job of that. The impact ain't been there since 2015, and I just don't want to hear any other argument about it because outside of the international is why that's not in there, and a Jeremy Pena, you have to hard, hard pressed to find somebody that isn't Bregman or Tucker after 2015. Also interesting is some of the World Series winners. Okay. The Nationals, mm-hmm. 13%. The Braves, 13%. The Phillies, which made the World Series last year, 13%. It's interesting. The Red Sox, 14%. The Cubs, 15%. It all comes down to impact. It really does. It does come down to impact. It also does come down when it comes to something the Astros did here very well when Jeff did get here, was he took a very stocked cupboard. Although he said these guys did a terrible job. I think we know that was probably one of the worst comments of all time when it comes to assessing a former front office. I don't remember the exact quote, but it's, I think it was in the neighborhood. It was, well, it was in Drellich's book, so, okay. I, so it was there. These guys, and, and I'm paraphrasing, but they, they didn't do a good job. Okay. The cover was completely full, and what Jeff and his team did better than anybody else in recent memory was they took what was here, they used their skill sets of analytics and acquisitions on the free agent wire, and at a time when they were ahead with pitch data and some of the technological player development stuff, which has zero to do with how terrible the culture was. This is, this is totally two separate conversations. They were able to take their assets and turn them into big league players that were here that came from somewhere else. And if young players are going somewhere that's bad, and they're sending back better players here that are more established or can help you win a World Series, they're going to get to the big leagues with that new team. So they kind of help each other. They work back and forth. And Jeff Luno and his staff did one of the, I'll say it again, one of the better jobs in recent memory of free agent acquisitions, waiver wire claims, trades. trades. They did all of that. But you have to have the cupboard filled. That's different than the draft. And so while we have a tendency, or that group, that group has a tendency to take credit for what other people do, what they did was pretty good at by itself besides the culture. So they probably should just roll with that and leave the drafting to other people that did a good job. Trade deadline talk, I think we'll wait till next week. Yeah. And I don't have a pump the brakes 
Oh, we're still playing it. That's good. I don't have a pump the brake segment. I'm really... Whew. This is interesting to me. J.J. Watt mm-hmm. was recently hired as a broadcaster here on CBS Sports. I say here because we're a CBS station. J.J. Watt, Texans great, future Hall of Famer, also played for the Cardinals, will be a broadcaster. He'll be an analyst for CBS Sports and a number of other platforms on CBS. Which current player in Major League Baseball do you (coughs) think would make the best broadcaster? All right, while you're thinking, I'll go first. Joey Votto. You put a microphone on Joey Votto during those games, which has happened. He's been phenomenal. The stories. The analysis. I mean, it's not real in-depth because he's playing a game. But um, I've really enjoyed, anytime I've heard Joey Votto, when he's mic'd up, I think, wow, this guy, he can make a heck of a broadcaster. Now, there's been a number of NFL players in the past who I thought were going to be good broadcasters who did not make it as broadcasters, who were not very good, and vice versa. Yeah. I don't think anyone would have expected some of these guys that you see, um, maybe for name recognition, Nate Burleson has done a phenomenal job, but uh, I just think Joey Votto... I was thinking about this the other day, okay, three weeks ago when I first told you about it. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, boy, I think Joey Votto, he might be the best example of a current major league baseball player who I think could make a seamless or as close as seamless as possible transition to the broadcast booth. Have you come up with a name yet? I stalled. Um, what we do in TV, we stretch. Yeah, you know, I, the thing about about it is that the guys that have been mic'd up have, have consistently done a good job. So you can make a case for Votto, Mookie Betts. And you could argue that the reason they go to those guys is good. because they're good. Yeah, it's just, not everybody can do it. I mean, people are, um, I mean, even when we started, I, you know, with the analysis stuff. Yeah, I wasn't um, very good. I'm kidding. No, but I mean, it was used to um, the, the stuff I was used to doing was answering questions and yeah. just being. It wasn't. It's not as simple as getting in front. I mean, now it's like I'm, we're used yeah. to it, but yeah. it's not as simple as getting in front of the camera and just talking like you know to all of you at home. Like that's a little, that's a little different. What I would say is, or wherever you're listening to this at, um, I would say that there's not a lot of guys that can do it. And I without without singling any one player out, I will say that the players that have done it that we consistently hear have been entertaining. There's one guy I would like to hear that I haven't heard a whole lot of, and that's just that's Brett Phillips. Oh, yeah. Okay, and, and I think Brett Phillips is, is funny. Yeah. I think he's going to be engaging. Mm-hmm. I think he'll be able to be relatable to the fans because he has such a good time with it. Yeah. Um, you know, but I haven't heard a whole lot of him. I, you know, Mookie Betts and Freeman and, and um, um, uh, who was the pitcher? Was it, uh, it was Ivaldi, uh, Nathan Ivaldi in the All-Star game. They were mic'd up. Ivaldi was pitching in the middle of that, which is extremely tough to do. I don't know how you pulled that one off, man. That was, that's ridiculous. But, well, we've seen Manoa. I think Manoa did it. Yeah, it's uh, Alec last year. Yeah, but that, that's, all, that's hard. He, that didn't really work out for him up here. He went the other direction. Still, you know, that's a, that was a very difficult. That's very difficult to do. So I think those guys that are doing it that way would have some experience getting in the broadcast booth and doing some analysis. Real quick, leave you with this. Um, 
Locally, someone did a thing about the draft pick and the worst one that the Astros have done. And then it said, um, talking about the draft picks, it said uh, 2019 first round pick Corey Lee is currently stuck in AAA. But given, <clears throat> but given his defensive acumen and athleticism, it's easy to see a near future where Lee is Houston's primary catcher with Yiner Diaz working as a DH part-time first baseman, part-time catcher. No. Sorry. No. Do you want me to address that? No, we've addressed it. It just... One of the things I'll say about some of the stuff I see on, um, in, in different forms of, of media mm -hmm. is we have a... Some, some people have... I wonder if you've ever seen a game or seen the player because it is so homerish that it's just, it defies logic. I notice that we do this a lot with the Texans here. Yeah. We hear about these draft picks, the Texans draft, and they might um, have a good practice or they had a good preseason game mm -hmm. and expectations are, are real high. Anointing. And most of the time, yeah, doesn't, it, you know, we're just waiting and waiting and waiting for these guys to, to live up to what, a, their draft status is, or B, maybe what the coaching staff, and it's no fault of their own, they're just answering our questions, but maybe some of the promise that the coaching staff has seen and relayed to us. So I, I find it happens a lot with, with, um, with football and the Texans here, but you know, I guess a case could also be made about the Astros and how this, these young pitchers and young outfielders like Corey Jolks and the young pitchers like J.P. France. They're not young. Again, I, I, again, I, I mentioned this last week. Corey Jolks is 27. J.P. France is 28. They're not How young. How old's Belak? 26? 25? Mm, I think Belak's probably 28 now. But yeah, let see, me that's not young either. And we call them young because they just got here. That's, that's, re that's guys who've been around a long time that might have had a light bulb go on. They have a short window. Belak is 27. 27, yeah. So um, what, what, I, what, I, what I guess... I don't know. I got to wake up and look myself in the mirror every day. And if I, I could look myself in the mirror if I wasn't being honest. And if you look at Corey Lee, um, and, and by the way, that's no matter what comes from that. I'm going to be direct and I'm going to tell the truth. So when it comes to uh, a Corey Lee guy, he's got power, he's got throw. We talked about that day I of the draft. I remember, I, I still remember it. It's power over a hit, throw over catch. It's played out the exact same way. It's, ma it's like magically thinking Maldonado is going to hit 36 home runs this year and hit, you know, 385. Yeah, it's not going to happen. He's a, he, this is who he is. This is what's gone down. He is a guy that could benefit from a change of scenery somewhere. And I do think that when Dana correctly put him in AAA to start the year, he was giving him a chance to play every day to build up at bats for right now. Now, whether or not it works out, I don't know. But right now, you've got a guy that Diaz, who is the better player and better prospect. You've got a guy in Maldonado who's set up to transition and mentor Diaz at that level. I told you when I saw Diaz in the Futures game last year that he could be better defensively than what he was given credit for. I said that because you just have to let's do something. What's that? Oh, yeah, develop players. So if you're able to do that and Diaz has the ability to do those things, you can get a, big, a major league catcher out of him, and that's what they're getting. Is it a finished product yet? I don't think so. Is there more to come? Absolutely. But he just got there. He's still better than Corey Lee. And Corey Lee is, is, a, is a trade bait piece, which is good. Because that's what Luno did when he got here, was he took the cupboard of guys that didn't fit in the major league plans, and he brought other things back. And right now, the Astros are in a position where they could use some help. And if Corey Lee's going to get him some help, 
I'm all for it. It's unfortunate Corey Lee uh, injured at this stage. Sure. But um, early on, I mean, he his strikeout <laughs> rate in his second year of AAA had actually, I mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he had 75 strikeouts. Yikes. In 283 at-bats. And how are you saying Whereas that's last year he had 127 in 404. How are we saying that's an everyday big league player? It doesn't get any easier at the big leagues. We do know that, right? Like, it's not like AAA is automatically going to turn into the, to what's happening at Minute Maid Park. It gets tougher. It doesn't get any easier. So if this is what he's doing now, it doesn't mean he's a bad player. It just means he might just be, one more time, arm strength and power might just be what he is. And if that's the case, great. Move him to somewhere else who has time for him to play because the Astros have him blocked and they still have a club that can win. And World Series pennants over prospects every day of the week. Oh, yeah. Yep. All right. Um... We need to bring back the scouting reports. We'll do that next time, your old scouting reports. I want to bring back the studio. I'm on fire. Yeah? Yeah. All right. I we like the studio. I can set up the camera a little bit. Uh, I put that one other, that one camera over there. We can, we can do that. Uh, studio. I, to be honest, it's a little easier for me. Absolutely, and it's ba- it's, I feel back and comfortable in my environment. I'm back home. I can relax. I can just sit back here. And then I can it's, just say, you can say something, and I can say, say that again? Yeah. And you say, right. He, he might, he, what was it? Um, he's not David he's not Ortiz da- and yeah. he's not Ryan Howard, but he might be. Yeah, he's not David Ortiz, he's not Ryan Howard, but he might be. And I want to thank Peter Gammons for making that quote famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was funny because Peter Gammons later tweeted out, Scout I've heard says that Jordan Alvarez could be another David Ortiz or Ryan Howard. That's kind of like when somebody announces a draft pick and somebody else says, source says. Is yeah. that the same thing? Yeah, I, if you weren't following the draft people on Twitter, <coughs> Jeremy um, basically was tweeting out the picks. Well, I don't want to say two picks before, but well ahead of their announced what I was, selection. What, what, uh, look, I'm not going to get into that. Yeah, no, we don't need, to ho- we don't need the go- how and why. Yeah, what I'm going to say is that as soon as the next team went on the clock, the pick was out. Yep. And it's, it's verifiable timestamps. It's one point um, – you know, I had the Astros pick was I put the Astros pick on Twitter, and a minute later, our own station put out the Astros are now on the clock. And I yeah. saw you quote tweeting and go, "It's this, this according yeah, to." This, yeah. So it was it was moving pretty fast, and um, it was a lot of fun. But for a guy who really doesn't know many people and doesn't have good sources, and and you know, well, I, I can't imagine cider. you would have any sources inside a clubhouse or a, or a or a general manager's office or a, well, I, excuse me. Front office. I don't say general manager's office. Well, no, I know GMs. I have GMs like James Click we talked about, you know, assistant GMs, special assistants to the GMs, scouting directors, VPs. I mean, listen, it's amazing to hear that, you know, I don't have any um, uh, Astros. I wasn't an an Astros insider, which I never said, by the way. No, Astros insider. Right. And we've never even branded you as an Astros insider. I have laughed about that for a month and a half to think Uh, about. Do we really need to go back to this? Yeah, why not? I mean, we got receipts. Like, we got receipts. Like, we're talking about, like, wanting guys to get thrown at. No, I just said the game's going to police itself. Kind of like I just policed having the pick before everybody put on the clock, right? So, you know, I don't know what to tell you. It is what it is. Some people have their lot in life. Some other people have theirs. Mine, apparently, is to be connected and just act like I'm not. All right, everybody. You are a different person. I, you here. know what? I like it. Yeah. It's good. It's, it's back. It's spread out. Yeah. You know? Hey, look at this. Just, look, look at this text message came across. Ooh. But I'm not connected. No, 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 no. All right. Um, and we have this. 
We have our old logo. It's in the system. I, I've got to find it. So. Can we get some hip hop music for our entry? Because I'm in. I'm feeling. All it right, today. everybody. That's it for another extra basis for Jeremy. I'm Jason. Please leave your comments. Um, and if you want to say we're whiny, you can do that too. I'm, I'm not going to delete them. I'm going to leave them there. Sell me more books. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next time on the Extra Basis Podcast.